When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode because we're doing a new series called Celibacy Talks. And in this series, we're going to be talking about all things celibacy and just going into all these little topics around celibacy. And if you guys don't know, I was celibate for two years and being celibate was such a huge part of my healing journey. And in the way that I really rewired and re-regulated my nervous system and in my completely restructuring my life as well. I completely stepped out of an old paradigm of myself and I did that within the container of celibacy. And before we start, I just want to let you guys know that I just put out a new YouTube video. It is the cutest YouTube video ever. It's my vlog or my video diary of November and it would mean so much to me if you guys went and watched it. It is just so precious and just filled with me and my partner running around Portugal and going to vegan restaurants and going to the beach and giggling and laughing and it's just so pure and precious and it's just I don't know I'm just so excited and and so excited about this YouTube video so I'm linking it in the description it's going to be the first link right there in the top please go watch my video and then with that as well I have another video on my two years of celibacy on YouTube where I talk about my journey really in depth. And if you are looking for more content about celibacy, check out that video. That's going to be super, super helpful for you. So with further, without further ado, let's go into our celibacy talks, part one, first episode series, and let's get into it. And I also asked you guys on my Instagram, I had put on my Instagram, you know, ask me any questions and stuff. So I'm going to be continually doing that, asking questions about celibacy and having you guys answer and ask what, you know, whatever questions you want to hear answered in this podcast. And then I will write them all out and answer some. So I couldn't answer all of them because I got over a hundred questions that people had asked in my Instagram little chat box. So I'm going to answer some of them and then the other ones I'll do different parts and different series and different episodes. So for this episode, we're just going to go into it and do the first part. So the first topic that I want to talk about, actually, before we even start with that, celibacy is a container. And I was actually doing an interview this week with a magazine and it was about celibacy. And we talked about how celibacy is a container. I really brought the conversation there because I think that that's really important to understand. A lot of times people think, okay, I'm going to go celibate. Like I am physically not going to have sex. And then I've been told online, I've listened to Victoria Duvall and, you know, apparently my life is going to change. And that's not necessarily true. 
celibacy is solely the container in which you get to work. And this is something that I stress because a lot of times people will be celibate involuntarily, right? Like they will not actually want to be celibate or they will just by chance be celibate or something like that. And they won't do any inner work. They're miserable the whole time. They're not really invested into it. They're not being intentional with their celibacy. They're not using it as a container and a space to dive deeper into their own self-knowing. And coming from that space, right, where you're not really doing anything intentional with it and you're not seeing it as a container to get to work, instead you're seeing it as something that is the end goal or the end point, in those cases, celibacy might not do that much for you. And I would go as far to say is that it probably indefinitely won't. With celibacy, celibacy is the container. It's that structure. It's that masculine container and structure in which you dive deeper into yourself. So the way that I teach celibacy is it also goes hand in hand with intentionally being single, intentionally being in your solitude. So celibacy is more the way that I teach it than just not having sex. Celibacy is completely taking a period of disconnection from the rest of the world, but particularly from men and really knowing yourself and doing the inner work within that container to know yourself. And one of my, I was actually doing this in an interview the other week, a different, a different interview. And they were talking about how it's almost the way that I'm describing it as if, is if, is as if it's almost that you're using celibacy as a way to wean yourself off of something as if you're an addict. And I thought that was really, really powerful because the truth is that living in the patriarchy, women are naturally conditioned to be addicted to codependency, people-pleasing, self-abandoning, but all at the expense of what? Like all with who in the end goal is men, right? We people-please for men, we self-abandon for men, and we are codependent with men. So we're conditioned to crave that and to desire that and to want it at the most subtle level, even if we're not really intentionally, you know, consciously wanting to be enmeshed or wanting to self-abandon, we're conditioned to do so. So what that means is that before you have actually restructured your nervous system, you are still going to be coming to men and to dating and to, you know, the world from a space of conditioned inner patriarchy. You're going to be coming to the world from a conditioned inner space of codependency, people-pleasing, self-abandonment. And we see this in the way that women interact with men. They're constantly putting men on the pedestal. They're constantly needing to be having male validation. They're constantly self-abandoning. They're constantly not having boundaries because having boundaries requires that you will choose upholding the boundary over being with a man if it comes down to it. And a lot of women won't do that, right? They see a boundary as a way to attempt to make someone change instead of as a way to filter in the good people and filter out the bad people. And that's really, really important. And at one of my, my mutuals, she said something the other day, she tweeted something and she was like, your boundaries, the reason you're frustrated with your boundaries is because you're coming to your boundaries, expecting them to make all these low quality people into high quality people. 
you are still coming to your boundaries from an abandonment wound. But the truth is that your boundaries are a way to keep the good people in and keep the bad people out. And so when you are upholding boundaries and standards and values, 99% of that is saying no and not accepting low quality behavior and low quality men. Also women, right? Like even, of course, if you're LGBT in the LGBTQ community, but also just as friends, right? Like even just with people, with family members, it's not just romantic, but here we're talking about it in a romantic lens. But within regardless, um, you know, boundaries are a way to filter in good behavior and filter out bad behavior. And it's also just a way to keep yourself safe. It's not a way to change anybody. And women come to dating already so conditioned to literally be on their knees begging for his validation, begging to be chosen, that when they actually try to uphold something, it's not actually as a way to protect themselves or love themselves. It's only just a desperate attempt to get this man to change, which is still in its essence codependent. And so for me, The way that I teach celibacy is it's a way to you first have to wean yourself off completely. You have to really starve yourself of male validation, male interaction, because if you innately know that you have not re-regulated your nervous system, then you know for sure that anytime you're interacting with a man, you are not actually going to be in your most embodied and empowered self because you haven't stepped into that yet. And so when you're interacting with men, if you haven't stepped into your most embodied and most empowered self and created that safety within and really done the work to take out that inner misogynist, that inner patriarchal gaze and that inner wanting to be chosen badly by a man in self-abandonment, self-abandoning, if you haven't done that yet or until you do that, it's important to not be around men because all that men are going to do are they are going to feed your unconscious wounds. So subtly, in a really subtle manner, a man, if you interact with him, you're going to self-abandon. You're going to hope that he approves of you or hopes that he hope that he you know makes you feel blank 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 and you're not actually coming to dating as a whole and sovereign individual and so celibacy is just that that space where you take time apart to really find yourself and step into your most embodied and empowered self and then you can step back out and go and interact with men and date and whatnot. And you don't have to be perfect. Of course, you know, we're always going to be, have these imperfections and not be 100% healed ever. But it's just about really knowing yourself and having created that baseline so you have a reference point and you know what that looks like and that's your new normal in your life. So with celibacy, it is that container. And then I wanted to go into the first kind of topic I wanted to talk about, which was masturbation. And this is one of the most frequently asked questions that I get when people ask about celibacy and, you know, can I masturbate when I'm celibate? Can what's is is it wrong if I get horny when I'm celibate? And the answer is absolutely you can masturbate when you're celibate. And the way that I teach it is it's actually extremely encouraged and very important. And the reason why is because prior to being celibate, 
you would have likely masturbated watching porn or thinking of an ex and or thinking of a low quality man and the way that you masturbate is likely coming to yourself quickly not really you know viewing yourself as a sacred vessel just trying to get something from yourself it's very kind of disconnected and what we want is we want to cultivate a really connected sense of your own sexuality with yourself as a baseline. And this is so important while breaking free from the inner patriarchal gaze and from having low quality experiences with men is creating in every facet a real deep sense of connection with yourself. And so masturbation is going to be really important because most likely when you were coming to sex or intimacy prior, even you know with others, not just with yourself, when you're coming to intimacy, you're self-abandoning, you're putting on a show, you're completely in your head, you're not really connected to your womb and to your body, you don't feel completely safe and loved and your heart doesn't feel nourished and ravished and claimed. It's more of a performance a lot of times with women, or if not a performance, it's something that still doesn't feel fully in alignment with that woman's heart. And so for me, I teach masturbation as such an important part of celibacy, because what you want to do is you want to learn how to engage with your own sexuality outside of people pleasing and outside of performing. So this is going to be so important, learning how to masturbate in a way that feels loving and nourishing and filled up and also in a way that's not eroticizing any wounds, which I have a podcast episode on that. So I will link that below. Um, But this is really important. And so with masturbation, some key ways to come to masturbation is do not watch porn. And the way that I I teach celibacy and also sexual liberation is there's no porn involved because for multiple, many reasons, I also have a podcast on why to not watch porn. Um, But there's more than just, you know, of course, the innate oppression of women that is porn. But it's also because it takes you out of your body and infiltrates your mind again with something that's not really your own. And also... It's again, taking you out of the experience and out of your own connection with your sexuality and it's taking your connection and putting it onto the screen. So your whole focus, instead of on your body and instead of on your genuine fantasies and desires is instead on this screen and on these other people. So you're kind of giving your energy again away instead of focusing it on yourself and learning your own body and learning your own self. And so what I teach is to learn and and really cultivate your own body, your learn your body and cultivate your own sexuality apart from porn. And instead of watching porn, you fantasize about things that feel really empowering. And this is something I do in my coaching program, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but definitely check out my podcast about eroticized wounds, which I'll link below. But yeah, so the way that I teach it is that you you know, you watch, uh, you don't watch porn and you fantasize about things that feel really filling and feel really healthy and feel, feel really dark and erotic, but feel really good. Like it's a full body. Yes. And sometimes things that are 
dark and erotic are a full body yes and other times they're not and so with the ones that are not we have to filter those out and I'm not even going to go too far into that because that is in my coaching program but um, so yeah so that's a really important part of celibacy and so people will ask like what do I do if I get horny well connect with yourself like you exist as well you don't need to just outsource your sexuality to somebody else you can cultivate a real deep sense of sensuality and sexuality with yourself and so if you are horny and you want to masturbate that's totally fine and I would suggest masturbating at least um, two or three times a week if that you know aligns with your cycle because sometimes for example with my luteal phase I'm not as you know sexual or wanting to masturbate or whatever but Um, definitely cultivate your own sensuality and sexuality that feels aligned and feels like a full body yes and just see what that looks like and it doesn't need to be perfect it doesn't need to be you know roses scattered all over your bed it can just be a moment of just even if it's a quick masturbation or quick self-pleasure session just really it's about that attention and focus that you give yourself and the amount of love that you give yourself and how connected you are just with your presence like I want to even if it's quick like just I want to touch myself and I want to feel pleasure and I love myself so much and I deserve it and whatever and then you self-pleasure and it feels more safe it feels more empowering it feels more connected and that is where the pleasure is it's in that deep connection with yourself and anything else where it's this disconnection is just a distortion it's not real pleasure and so it doesn't need to look perfect but I definitely do think that masturbating is super important because if you are masturbating only if you are masturbating in a way that is really connecting you with yourself and really letting go of that old kind of paradigm of performance and disconnection and you can even see when you're masturbating like am I performing at all do I feel like I need to move my hips so I'm moving my hips but I really just want to stay still or on the contrary do I keep my hips still, but I really want to move them? I just feel nervous to be that wild and to take up that much space. And so doing what feels authentic for you is going to be so important, but really checking in with yourself, like what feels authentic here and like what wants to be born in this moment and what wants to come alive and how can I let that come alive? And that might look like more stillness that might look like being quieter like sometimes women feel that they need to make all of these noises and so then they are you know their real empowerment is really saying i'm valid and worthy in my authentic expression right now which is just feeling into it and just just maybe moving and making some mm sounds but not you know making all these you know drawn out noises or on the other hand A woman might feel nervous to make those noises, but they want to come out of her. And those noises want to be born. And they're like, I want to come out, but she's constricting me. Like my my own inner self is constricting me. Like, no, don't do that. That's too much. That's wrong. And so your liberation and your authenticity would lie in the speaking more and the, you know, expressing more and the being more wild. And I honestly believe that it's a spectrum for both on both ends that everyone has those within them. I think that women are conditioned to be quiet as well as be loud, but there's no integrated authenticity on either ends. And so I think that 
really tuning in with yourself and seeing where do you authentically want to just stay still and be quiet and where do you want to authentically make noises and be wild and allow or allowing each of those to unlock I think that's really powerful and I think it's probably on both ends for all women and really just coming into that authenticity there. And I feel like that is so important is learning how to connect with your body and how to self-pleasure outside of the male gaze. And along with that, it's not just self-pleasure. I think that also really connecting with your womb in a lot of ways is going to be really important throughout your celibacy period. And, you know, a lot of, um, there's so many practices that you can do with that. I do have another podcast. I feel like I just keep plugging all my podcasts in here, but I have one about, you know, how to um, connect with your womb and how to like heal after sexual trauma. Um, But yeah, so I think all of that is super important and masturbation is a big yes in my book for celibacy. Learning how to cultivate your own sexual energy and learning how to unlock that in a really deeply authentic and real way is going to be life-changing. So I think that's a really, really important part of celibacy. And another thing that people were asking, which is, you know, what about if I'm missing my ex or I'm craving him sexually or, you know, I want to kind of fantasize about my ex or whatever. And I think that in that case, it's really important to set boundaries with yourself. And just because you, you know, want something or feel something, it doesn't mean that you innately need to act on it or that it's healthy for you. And that's where we need to cultivate that inner masculine, where that inner masculine creates structure and boundaries with our own self. And so in that case, you can say, you know, um, for example, if I crave my ex sexually, allowing that to come up and saying, okay, I'm not wrong for this, like allowing that to come up and, you know, loving it and saying it's okay, but setting a boundary with yourself that I'm not going to act on that. I'm not going to masturbate thinking about my ex. I'm not going to, you know, ruminate on this thought. I'm just going to love this thought and let it release. And maybe I need to have, you know, maybe the feeling is so overwhelming that maybe you need to have another really healthy and good fantasy written out that doesn't involve your ex that's just for me I think it's like good when you're single to just think of like a blank face person like just you know not a real person in your fantasies and so you know thinking of just a random you know blank face person and having some sort of sexual fantasy that you can go to that feels really good and feels really erotic that you can go to without your ex in it. And I think that, you know, allowing and redirecting that sexual energy to something else and really starving again that part of you that wants to engage with the ex or think about the ex sexually is going to be super important it's just about having boundaries with yourself and a lot of times we talk about having boundaries with other people but the precursor to that is having boundaries with yourself because you won't be able to hold boundaries with others if you don't hold them with yourself and so Again, you know, loving yourself through that, like if you make a mistake or if you do something where you act out and you want to be with your ex or whatever, like that's totally okay. The healing journey isn't perfect, but just, you know, choosing to say, I'm going to set this boundary with myself and to the absolute best of my ability, I am going to uphold it. And even when I don't uphold it or if I don't, 
I'm going to do it the next time. Like I'm going to keep upholding it until it's not even, until it's neutral, until I don't even have to uphold it anymore because that's just my way of life. And so I think with, you know, um, wanting your ex or thinking of your ex, it's just about holding those boundaries with yourself and choosing to not engage with that, um, that energy and that, that old paradigm and just allowing it to fade out. And okay, so another thing that people were asking, which was they were talking about what podcasts or books did I use during my celibacy journey? So for my celibacy journey, I didn't really have any guidance because I actually I feel like I was the first one on TikTok to start talking about celibacy. I really do. I know it's like now a people talk about it more, but I really feel because when I posted about it, everyone was like, what the fuck? Like no one had ever like thought about that. It was very new and I would get like a lot of hate for it. And this was like, you know, like three years ago now. But I, when I was celibate, I didn't see anything online about it. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Like I didn't have people that I, you know, looked up to that had been celibate for a while, or I didn't have any kind of examples I did have a mentor and he had been celibate for like five years and so that was the only thing I had but I didn't really discuss that with him but I knew that he had been celibate for five years but um but yeah so I didn't look at any podcasts or any media online about celibacy but what I did do is I read books not necessarily around celibacy but if you guys have been following me for a long time, you know, the first one I'm going to say, which is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, which is a great one. So I read that when I was in my celibacy journey. And another thing I did was I read A New Earth and I have these all on my Instagram in my stories. And also I think I have them posted on my page. But I think for me, the two most impactful ones that I read while I was celibate were You Can Heal Your Life and A New Earth. I think I was kind of in this spiritual awakening part two like I had already had my spiritual awakening but I feel like I was going through a rebirth with it and so I was kind of learning more about my spirituality as well as myself and yeah those kind of went hand in hand for me so I read um, the autobiography autobiography of a yogi during that time and I started really kind of going to these self-realization fellowship flagships around the United States and also in other countries. I went to them in Spain and I also, did I go somewhere else? I think I, I think I only went in Spain and in other countries. So I started really kind of diving deeper into my own spirit. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. 
Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details during this time I was meditating a lot more I was more consuming content around like spirituality and healing in general versus celibacy content because I just didn't see any information on it online I didn't see any books about it I just didn't really have anywhere to turn to around you know celibacy which is nice that I'm I feel like it's good to make this podcast because I would have wanted someone to kind of give guidance because I was kind of stumbling in figuring everything out for myself and I was making the rules as I went and I was trying to figure it out and so yeah like kind of having a podcast that just says exactly what at least what I did and you know what I would recommend I think is you know important but I I didn't have that and so I was just really doing stuff around like spirituality and healing and and that kind of arena But yeah, so I did read those books. I was listening to like, you know, very generic spiritual podcasts that I still listen to. I was listening to like Ram Dass and um, obviously that's not generic. I just mean it's more just like totally spiritual. It's not anything really about celibacy. It's just about God and about, you know, self-realization and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I was really doing a lot of like self-realization during the time. I also didn't have any friends or people around me when I was in the beginning of my celibacy journey. And I think that was really, really important. And also, you know, kind of the whole way through because I moved to a new city two times in my celibacy journey. So I moved to Spain and then I also moved to Miami when I was in my celibacy journey. And so I was really pretty much alone a lot of the times, which really helped me learn how to really cultivate myself and my own inner sovereignty outside of constantly being around people. And to be honest, when I was younger, I really feel like I was such a people pleaser, not only in relationships, but also in friendships. And I really noticed that because little reminders of that have been coming up lately. And I've been remembering like how desperate I was for friendships. And I always felt when I would get around another girl or a girl I wanted to be friends with, I would totally go out of my body. Like I would just be so out of my body. I would just be like trying to make her laugh and trying to connect and kind of being in this anxious energy. I would be in this like anxious, hyper, really nice energy. And it wasn't authentic to me at all. And it was just because I was so scared of being abandoned by friends, by girls. And 
as a result of that, because I was choosing people from this abandonment wound, I really wasn't making or having friends that felt really nourishing to me and that felt like a full body yes. And so during my celibacy journey, by really moving to new cities, not having anyone around me, I also let go of a lot of friendships that didn't feel like a full body yes. And so that was kind of in the beginning of my celibacy journey. I just let it go and I had to end some friendships and it was pretty hard. And I think that that was so important for me because again, I learned that I was full on my own, that it was okay if I wasn't liked by all these girls or if I went to dinner by myself or if I, you know, I started putting myself again into the position of the chooser, which was a huge shift in my celibacy journey. And I talk about this in my coaching program, which was putting myself into the position of the chooser, not only in romantic relationships, but also in friendships. And in friendships prior, I would constantly be thinking, does this person like me? Does this person like me? Like even before we were officially friends, in the very beginning, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, I hope this person likes me. Oh my God, you know, I want them to like me. I hope that they like me. I hope we're going to be friends. But I wasn't actually checking in with my body and saying, do I want to be friends with them? Do I like them? Is what they offer with their own essence and who they are, is that resonating with me? I wasn't checking in with myself about it. I was so disconnected from that part of myself. And I was doing the same thing with men as well. But, you know, I was so disconnected from, uh, you know, myself and my my own worth and my intrinsic fullness that I was constantly trying to make sure that girls liked me when I was interacting with girls. And I always had this difficulty making friends when I was younger. And so it kind of scarred me when I was getting older. I just realized like, wait, the way that I interact with women, I'm just constantly wanting to be chosen. And it would hurt when I wasn't right. Like it would hurt when I would try to like make friends, even though I didn't even like the girls and I would try to make friends and they wouldn't like me. And then I would be like, oh my God, you know, there's something wrong with me. And I would internalize that. But the truth is they didn't like me and I didn't like them. It's not that, you know, it was even one sided. And even if it was, that would be okay. But the truth is that I didn't really resonate with or vibe with or like the girls that I was looking to accept me. And so, of course, we don't resonate. Right. And it just felt like such a reclamation when I started being celibate, when I started really saying, I'm just going to be on my own and I'm not going to look to friends or to, you know, men or to anyone to fill me up. I'm just going to fulfill myself and learn what that looks like. And when I stepped out of celibacy, I had such a great footing on the ground to make women friends, to make, you know, to get into the relationship I'm in now because I was coming and still am, of course, coming to relationships as the chooser. Like, does this person resonate with me? And if they resonate with me, if I don't resonate with them, that's okay. Like if they don't like me, that's okay. Even if I like them, you know, but do I like them? Do I want to be friends with this person? And that feels really good to just not be desperate in any aspect of my life. And I think for me, that was a huge, a huge walk away that I had with celibacy. When I walked away from celibacy, I just was no longer desperate for male friendships or female friendships. And 
if you would have asked me five years ago if I was desperate for male or for female friendships, I would have said no, right? Like looking back, I can see that I was in the energy of desperation. But at that time, that just felt normal. And that's how most people walk around. It didn't feel like I was doing anything innately, you know, desperate or I was doing anything that was coming from a wound or that was coming unconscious. That just felt like my way of existing at the time. It didn't feel good necessarily, but I would never have called myself desperate in the moment. And so my point of saying that is really evaluate your life and where you feel you are and where you want to be. And if you feel like, you know, you know what, I'm really not coming to my relationships as blank and I'm coming instead like, you know, wanting to be chosen or whatever. Really own that and understand that and know that there's a way to go from there. Like there's a way out of that. There's a way that you can take. There's a route that you can take where you can really fulfill your own self and learn to be so cultivated in your own happiness and joy and sovereignty as in your own individual human being that you can then come to relationships really fulfilled, which then means that you can actually get in relationships that feel like a full body yes and that feel really nourishing and good. Because prior, we're just looking for relationships from desperation. Now, we can look to relationships as a space that offers more fulfillment to the fulfillment we already have. And from that space, we can actually say no to people, which means that we can trust our yes. And that's so important. And so I think for me, that was like a huge part of my of my celibacy journey. And someone asked about having guy friends while celibate. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't because I do think that a lot of times when women are have guy friends, they do get hits of validation from these men. And so if you're feeling like you haven't cultivated that sense of self with yourself and you kind of are outsourcing your validation and, you know, wanting to be chosen, you can do that in a, in a platonic relationship with a male. Absolutely. Like, you know, go out of your body, want to be chosen, looking to him to, you know, make you feel good and make you feel validated and, and all these kind of things in the distorted way. And so I would say if you feel like you're not in that space with yourself yet where you're you're not fully feeling, wow, I feel so, you know, um, built up with my own sovereignty. If you're not in that space yet, I would definitely say if you're going celibate to take a break from guy friends because nine times out of 10, you're going to be looking to those guy friends to fill this void of validation, male validation, um, you know, these kind of patriarchal values and hits that we get. And so even if you're not getting them from a romantic relationship, you can still get them from a guy friendship. So I wouldn't recommend it. I would say, you know, just take a break, like say, hey, I'm going to just take the next year to myself. And I haven't really seen many women that feel that if it's a genuine friendship, that it's that big of a deal if, you know, you and a guy don't talk or something or don't hang out for like a year. And I think that a lot of times women are really enmeshed with their guy friends. And I think that's an uncomfortable truth. I think that women get a lot of hits from a, a lot of unconscious emotional hits that are wounded desires for validation or for male attention or, you know, male 
approval. I think that women get those a lot of times from their, their male friendships. And so, you know, if you feel like the friendship is a full body, yes, it feels absolutely healthy. You feel like it's totally aligned. You feel like it's totally, you know, you're not getting any sense of male validation from him or male attention from him. And you're not using him to fill any voids. If you're not using him to fill any voids, even on the most subtle level, then go for it, you know? But I, I have seen even in genuine friendships between men and women, like the friendship is genuine, the love is genuine, it's a genuine friendship. The woman is still, and a lot of times the man as well, but I'm just talking about the women. The women a lot of times are getting this, you know, this sense of even if you don't have a man in your life, a partner, a romantic partner who's giving you this attention and safety and validation they will get that from their male friends and so still they're kind of going out of their body to gain that validation in a distorted way and this is not to be confused with getting healthy validation and and being interdependent with other people in a non-patriarchal way so for example I get validation from my partner all the time like he has to validate me to be in a relationship with him and I have to validate him to be in a relationship with him. There's nothing wrong with being healthily dependent on one another. But what I'm saying is that if you have not created healthy dependency first within your own body, like you can depend on yourself, then you will likely be leaking into these relationships that aren't a full body yes. And even if they are, you're still likely going to be leaking and wanting to kind of use this man to fill a void. A void of, you know, attention or whatever it is. And so until you filled yourself up first, I would say it's not a good idea to have male friendships during the time that you are celibate. And if it's a good male friendship, he will say, oh, I totally understand you're doing this year of, you know, disconnecting from men because really what celibacy is and the way that I teach it is divesting from men and really, really taking men off of the pedestal that the patriarchy puts them on and putting yourself into the position of the chooser and on the pedestal and in the position of back into your body and your power. And so it's hard to divest from men if you're still using men in your life to fill a void. So I would say no to guy friends, um, but you know, you have to use your own discernment. So it's really up to you, but I would say as a general rule, no. Um, and, and yeah, and so next question is how to deal with rejecting guys while celibate. So, so this is the thing. You're always going to attract men. Whether you are celibate, whether you have come to the most embodied space in your life, men are attracted to women in a more overt way. And there's nothing wrong that you're attracting, you know, like men who are looking at you or maybe ask you go to a coffee shop and a guy asks you out. And so for me, what I say is you have to use your own discernment, but your period of celibacy is going to be that period where you're not dating. And so you can tell a guy, you know, hey, and also, sorry, just quick note is that when you are celibate, so before you have kind of cultivated this real sense of self 
with yourself, right? Like before you've cultivated this feeling of sovereignty and safety and fulfillment within your own body before that, when you're dating, you're not going to really be able to vet men. It's just not really possible, right? If you haven't filled yourself up, you're going to be unable to actually accurately vet a man because you don't know what a full body yes man looks like to you because you are not a full body yes yet to yourself. So um, the men that you are interacting with are likely not going to be a full body yes. And so what you can do, let's say you really want to, let's say this guy comes up to you at a coffee shop or something and you, you know, say, hey, I'm doing this period of like healing and celibacy right now. But, you know, if you really want, you know, I can take your number, you can take my number and, you know, you can reach out to me in a couple months, something like that. Like I would say something like that. Um, or if you really think that it would be a good guy. And so, you know, understanding what you're looking for in a man, your non-negotiables, all these things, having understood those, if he meets them, sure, you can just exchange numbers so you don't lose the connection and just say, hey, I'm still in my healing period. Like I will, you know, reach out to you when I'm out of that period. And when I, you know, when he first reached out to me, I was still in my celibacy period and I didn't answer initially. And then a few months later, after I was ready to date, that's when I reached out back out and then we started talking, you know, and then we started obviously um, to date. And so you don't need to come as, as well to dating from this kind of scarcity mindset. That's like, oh, my God, if I, you know, don't if I don't say yes to this right now, it's not going to happen for me. Like it, that's not possible because everything, if you are taking steps towards your most embodied self, then you are already in alignment with your life. So if you are taking steps towards your most embodied self, it's impossible for what is for you to miss you. Now, it is possible for what is for you to miss you if you are not taking embodied steps. But if you're doing these good things for yourself, then there's no way that the man that's for you can miss you because the man that is for you is for your most embodied self and he's waiting for you and life is just preparing him for you as well. And so life is working with you God, life, you know, the different energies are working with you to encourage you into your most embodied self. So as you're taking these steps back home, your man is as is home, right? So you can't miss your home. And so if you're, you can only miss your home if you're still disconnected and thinking that the bush outside, you know, the, the tree from two miles away from your house is your home and you're just like hiding behind it. And that's how most people come to life. They're totally disconnected. They don't know who they are. They're not fulfilled in themselves. But as you start taking steps home and your man is home, you're just being led to him as well. So I think that's really important. Um, not coming to men from a scarcity mindset. I think that is something that really changed for me as well was that before I went celibate, I viewed men from such a scarcity mindset. I was like, oh my God, I need to like do this right now. And if I don't, then blah, blah, blah. And and the truth is that the man that is for you, that God put on this earth for you is for, is at your home, right? He's home. And so as you're walking towards home, you're just walking towards him. And so don't be afraid as well that like, oh my God, if I go on my celibacy journey, I'm going to miss the man. No, if you don't go on your celibacy journey, you're probably going to miss the man that's for you because most women marry the man that's not for them. 
we look around at our parents or, you know, most adults, they marry the person that was not for them. But because they didn't walk themselves home first, they never got to the person who was home for them. And so I think that that's really important. And I do believe that, um, you know, I know that different people have different views on, on having the one. And I think that's really true and merited because I don't think that everyone has the one. I don't think that every single human being, every single soul, really, I don't think that every soul has another um, one, right? Like that you, the two of you, those two souls are bound together in all of eternity and you guys are each other's eternal partners. I don't think that every soul has that. I think that some souls have different experiences, which is why we have such a myriad of different experiences and opinions. And some people are like, you know, there's no one and I could make it work with, you know, all these different people. And that's so true as well for that person that might be their own experience. And I think that your own wisdom that comes from your heart is your guiding factor. So if you feel like, hey, I have like one, my heart is calling out and craving for that one, my one true love, my one person, like I only have one soul, my heart is crying for them, then follow that because that's your own soul's wisdom speaking. And if you have another experience where you're like, my heart is, you know, wants to be in relationship, but I could have relationship with so many different people. There's 8 billion people on the planet and you know, I just want to have someone who meets these standards and values and, you know, and I want to commit to them and I want to be with them or whatever. There's so many different ways that our hearts and our soul's wisdom speaks to us. And so all of those different experiences are gifts. Um, so even if you feel that, hey, I don't have the the view because that's your own soul's wisdom speaking to you that, Hey, I don't have the, the understanding or the experience of having just the one. So what about me? So in that instance, it would just be that you as a person who is looking for a relationship, you have the understanding that from a disempowered space, you are going to interact with a person who is disempowered and also you cannot come from a scarcity mindset as well in of course in all of this but especially because you are you know there's multiple people that you can make it work with right and so you can say on my celibacy journey even though even if you know people are reaching out to me I am going to stick to myself, really fill myself up. And then once I feel ready to date and once I feel ready to move into that space of dating and romanticism again, then there's so many people that I could make it work with. And now I know what my actual boundaries and values and standards are so I can attract those people. And so I can reject whoever is not those people. And then you can meet your person who will eventually be the person that you're with or whatever sort of, you know, dynamic that you're interested in. And I think there's so many different ones. And so for some people, their heart is calling out for this one individual. And for other people, their heart is calling out for them to come home to themselves so that they can find someone who resonates similarly with them. And all the relationships are equally as wonderful. So, yeah, so I think that all of that is is, you know, super helpful when it comes to rejecting men in this, you know, your celibacy period, because as long as you're not coming from a scarcity mindset, you can reject men. And, you know, when you said someone said, you know, respectfully declining men, I mean, 
of course, just saying, you know, does it have to be super respectful? Like just saying, hey, I'm in a healing period right now and I'm not interested right now. Like it really depends. Are you interested in this guy? Are you not interested in this guy? If you're interested in him saying, hey, I'm in my celibacy period right now and I don't want to, you know, date right now, but you can have my number and in six months reach out to me. And if it works, then we'll, we'll talk then. Or you can say, hey, I'm not interested, period. And then that's it. And, you know, if he's like annoying about it, just, you know, give him the middle finger and walk away. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to give people the middle finger, but it just, you know, your level of stern, sternness and firmness, I guess, is just going to depend on the situation and if the man is persistent or if he's disrespectful or if he's respectful or you know just the situation so just I would say it's not as much about being respectful it's more about being authentic and firm in your own boundaries and in your own truth right so being firm and and honest and authentic in hey like I think you're a great guy and I'm not dating right now, but I'd love to exchange numbers with you. And then also being firm. You can also be firm in, Hey, I'm not interested, but thanks so much. And both ways are authentic and firm. So I would say to focus more on being authentic and firm and honest than being respectful because sometimes, you know, um, I, to me, I think being authentic is being respectful. And I think that sometimes women self abandon in the name of being respectful, but if you're being clear and firm and authentic, then it's innately respectful. Even if you have to get disrespectful possibly, because as we know, sometimes men don't take no for an answer. And sometimes you just need to completely ignore him and walk in the other direction. Is that respectful? To me, yes, but to other people, they might not. But should you still do that? Yes, you know, you should still just walk away if this person is harassing you or something like that or even take stronger measures. So I would say focus more on being authentic and firm and honest and true to yourself and not necessarily to the other person. So, so yeah, so this is our first Celibacy Talks podcast. I have about like a hundred more questions that people asked, but I'm just going to do these. I think this was five questions first and we will talk on the next episode. I don't know if it's going to be the next one next Saturday, but it will be, you know, an episode and a little series that we're going to be doing. So this is the first Celibacy Talks. I hope that you guys liked it and I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life altering. And if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.